So I knew a girl who was the youngest in her family, and she was always being read to. So her parents were really worried that she wasn't going to be able to read herself. So they tried multiple ways. The older siblings tried to help. And one of the books that she always read out of, that she was learning to read out of, was the Beginner's Bible. How many of you have had ever had the Beginner's Bible? And so she was starting to learn how to read, or at least that's what they thought. And when some friends came over, this little entertainer that she is went and decided that she was going to read as her party trick. And so she pulled out her beginner's Bible, and she began to read today's story. And everybody applauded. They were so proud. The parents were like, finally, this kid learned how to read. And then that's when my parents realized that I actually memorized the story and wasn't reading. <laughs> But don't worry, guys, I, I, I know how to read now. <laughs> but it was quite worrisome. And so today is that story, this familiar story of the Gabriel, Gabriel the angel who met with Mary. Each week in Advent, we have been going through different ways and different people, how they interacted with this unexpected arrival of Jesus. We talked about Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, and last week, we talked about John the Baptist, giving us space to have questions about Jesus. Today, we're focusing on Mary. I don't know if you've ever thought about what you would have done in that situation, but I have, and I think that Mary is a quite irritating with how she responds in this moment. I mean, I would have said, uh, no way, Angel. That ain't happening. I'm sorry. Wrong girl. Pick someone else. And yet, Mary's response is one that we can learn from and that challenges us. The writer of today's passage, Luke, um, he often spoke about the role of women in the Gospels. And so how fitting it is that today I get to preach on Mary. So let's turn to this familiar story to discover um, the unexpected ways that God met Mary and how he has an invitation for us today. So Luke 1, Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And you, and she said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Mary was probably busy. I mean, she was engaged. I've never been engaged, but I've been the wedding planner for both of my siblings' weddings, and I know that there's a lot of work involved. There's picking flowers, picking colors, cake. I haven't even talked about saying yes to the dress. Like, there is so much to do for a wedding. And we're not sure what Mary was doing at that time, but I, we can assume she was busy. And in that busyness, this angel shows up, interrupting her life. She was from a small town of Nazareth that had about 200 people at that time, known to be too close to the Gentiles. It's a stark contrast to earlier in the chapter where we see Zechariah, who is serving in the temple in the, with the religious elite in Jerusalem. And yet we see that God chose Mary, Mary from Nazareth. And her reaction tells us a lot about her and why she was chosen. If she was a woman of pride and place, she probably would have reacted very differently. This choice shows the heart of God to raise up and elevate those who are humble and lowly. Remember, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And that is why Gabriel addresses her, you who are highly favored. God has taken notice of this teenage girl who's living in Nazareth, and he has come to invite her into his redemptive story for the world. Mary's first reaction is one that we'd probably expect. She's confused and disturbed and I mean it's a natural reaction to the news I mean how would you react in that situation I already told you I'd be like nope nope not wrong person I think you got the wrong joy there's got to be another one around there like wrong person and often we actually think something else we think the angels are like cute stuffies or beautiful women who don't do anything wrong or uh, really attractive men who glow but seeing an angel can be jarring I mean we see it in the Bible multiple times when an angel appears they have to say do not be afraid because it's normal for them to be afraid and yet we see Mary in this moment And Gabriel tells her, don't be afraid. And she begins to realize what's happening. Mary's not sure if this being favored by God is a good thing in this circumstance. And yet, she's there to listen to what Gabriel has to say. Gabriel quickly explains uh, what's going on as he's interrupted her wedding planning. She's going to be the mother of the Messiah. And that's exciting news. Have you ever explained something and you've covered every single thing and then someone's still raising their hand and asking a question and you have to repeat yourself? Or is that just what youth pastors do? (laughs) I'm sure your parents have had that or supervisors. And that's not what's happening here. Mary's listening intently and yet she has some good questions. How is this supposed to happen? This doesn't work. She knows how it works and she knows it doesn't work this way. But Gabriel explains the plan. The spirit will come upon her, 
and she will have a child. And her simple and challenging response is, here I am, the Lord's servant. Mary teaches us in this passage what it looks like to respond to God in humility and curiosity. This angel's interruption isn't just interrupting her wedding planning. It's interrupting her life forever. I'm sure you've heard the Christmas song, Mary, Did You Know? And let me tell you guys, Mary didn't know. She didn't know what God was leading her to. And yet, she said yes, even though she didn't know all the details. Have you ever been interrupted by God? The Christmas story shares with us that God is an ages. He interrupts people's lives of all ages, from Zachariah to Elizabeth to Joseph to Mary. He, all, he called them all into his redemption story. If you've, ever been, if you've never been interrupted by God, just you wait. It might be the best and worst thing that happened to you, but then you'll realize it's the best thing. Our lives are going one way, and yet God changes the trajectory so different. I've once heard it said that God's interruptions are actually interventions. And we have an option. Mary had an option. She could have said, eh, this isn't it. I'm not the one. And yet, she said yes. She didn't refuse what God had offered her. And trust me, it's not smart to refuse God. I've tried it a few times. Didn't turn out well. Corey Ten Boom, who wrote The Hiding Place, says this. She says, Hold on, holding everything in your hands lightly. Otherwise, it hurts when God pries your fingers open. That is so true. I'm not going to promise you an easy life when you follow God. I mean, Mary's story, I mean, her life got a lot harder. I mean, in one way, one way, one way to think of it is that we are God's servant and we're following him. What is he calling us to? The Holy Spirit came upon her and her life changed. I mean, in a few years, she would be running off to Egypt and, and then she would have a son who she knew was just on borrowed time, that she was just being given him for a time. She would then watch him die on a cross. And yet that teenage girl had faith in that moment that she knew God was going to handle the details. I don't know about you, but I have often got into it with God. When he, di and he directs me one way, and then it turns out to be what I think is my worst-case scenario, I often give him a piece of my mind. But those prayers often end, after I vent a little, with saying, God, you got to handle it. It's you who got me here. You need to lead me out. The word that is used in this passage, when it says in the Greek, this passage about the spirit coming upon her, is the same word that Jesus uses with his disciples when he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that led that teenager girl to say, I am God's servant, may your word be fulfilled, is the spirit that leads you and me. Mary couldn't see the whole picture. She didn't know that this job of being mom entailed to a Messiah. I mean, how could she? She didn't see Calvary in that moment and know that her love for her son 
would one day become one of her greatest heartaches. Mary didn't ask for the one-year plan, the five-year plan. She didn't realize that soon she would be running for her son's life to Egypt. But she said yes, and she trusted God. Mary, a teenage girl's response to God, is probably more mature than some of us adults' response to God calling us. God rarely gives us all the puzzle pieces, and yet we too are being called to walk by the Spirit. I think we often don't want to walk by the Spirit because it brings us to uncomfortable and messy places. We want comfort, we want safety, we want routine. And yet we learn from Mary and this Christmas that we too can be full of certainty because we know God is calling us. I want to point out one last phrase as we conclude. Gabriel, in his greeting to Mary, said you are highly favored. But he said one more thing, and I hope you caught it. He said, the Lord is with you. When the Spirit comes on us and pulls us out of our comfort zone, across the country or wherever it is, he promises his presence. We are not alone. So if we look around this room, I'm sure there are many of us who have followed God's call in our lives. We didn't see all the puzzle pieces or all the steps that we needed to take. Maybe we didn't even see the next step, and we stepped out in faith. So this Christmas, I hope you are comforted and challenged by Mary. Ask yourself, what is God calling me to? Maybe the first step is surrendering your life to Jesus. Maybe it's moving to a new place, moving across the street. What is God calling you to? Whatever it is, I want to say with confidence, and I think Mary would concur, it's the best decision you'll ever make when you say, here I am, I am the Lord's servant. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for Mary's story. This teenage girl who said, I'm in, I'm ready, take me. I will be God's servant. I will be a part of your redemption plan. God, this Christmas, would we be reminded what a gift you are to us. That you came and you are among us. That we don't have to go off to meet with you, but you are with us now. Jesus, we ask that you would give us courage and confidence like Mary to trust you with whatever uncertainty lies ahead. Because you are with us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.